everyone and welcome to the latest episode in the Alan Novi podcast series dealing with insurance regulation. I'm Louisa Innes-Walkin and I'm an associate in the Alan Novi London Insurance Group and I'm going to be speaking with Kate McInerney who's a partner in our London Insurance Group. In this episode we're going to be talking about some of the key upcoming changes to Solvency 2. So in November 2022, the Treasury published its consultation paper, which sets out the government's final reform package and the plans for implementing changes to Solvency 2. The latest update is that on the 22nd of June this year, the Bank of England published the first of its consultation papers on the implementation of the Solvency UK, CP1223. And this sets out the bulk of its proposals. On the same date, HM Treasury also released information about its proposed legislative strategy for the Solvency UK reforms, with two draft statutory instruments that have been made available for early engagement. So Kate, to set the scene, can you tell us why the government are making reforms to Solvency 2? Sure. The government has had its sights set on Solvency 2 as an example of a Brexit win for a couple of years now. And it sees the changing regulation of insurers as a way of demonstrating the benefits that can come from being outside of the EU. So it made a big splash in February 2022 by announcing that the risk margin and the matching adjustment would be reformed in a way which would unleash productive capital to enable insurers to invest in infrastructure and the green transition, etc. Since then, efforts have been focused really on delivering that And by the by, the PRA and the Treasury have not always publicly agreed on the policy underpinning that. But now we've moved on and the June consultation paper that you mentioned just now is the first big drop of policy reforms that will implement the Solvency 2 reforms and form the basis of Solvency UK. And what we see in those is, yes, the changes are about adapting Solvency 2 framework for the UK insurance market, But also there's a big focus on promoting competition, encouraging investment into the UK and reducing red tape. It's also worth noting that the UK prudential regime for insurers will eventually be called Solvency UK. But for now, the PRA will continue to refer to the regime as Solvency 2. So what does the CP say and what other changes are expected? This June CP runs to nearly 200 pages and covers the majority of the reform proposals. But crucially, it doesn't deal with matching adjustment reforms, which is what a lot of people have been most interested in, because along with the risk margin reforms, which are also not contained in the June CP, um, these are expected to be the key driver of what I mentioned before, this unleashing of capital. As you mentioned, that is expected to be consulted on in September. And personally, I'm keenly interested in the new attestation regime for the matching adjustment that will be part of the September package. And that's going to be a real watch this space for senior management of insurers. In addition, there'll be a third CP in Q1 of 2024, which will cover the transfer of the remaining firm-facing requirements from retained EU law to the PRA rulebook or or other policy material. And that will provide the PRA with scope to modify rules for insurers with greater flexibility than the legacy regulatory framework permitted. 
And that fits in with the wider financial services architecture review. In terms of what's proposed in this consultation, uh, there are a number of key areas. The first are the simplifications and process improvements to the calculation of the transitional measures for technical provisions. Basically, when Solvency 2 was implemented, the basis for calculating insurers' liabilities changed and led to an increase for many firms in the value of their liabilities. To avoid a cliff edge, the TMTPs allowed firms to amortise that big change in value over a period lasting until 2032. But the TMTP calculations are cumbersome because they hark back to the dim and distant Solvency 1 days and they're also quite burdensome from a supervisory perspective. So the CP suggests some technical changes to address these concerns and will permit greater flexibility to firms and the PRA about how to apply the TMTPs. So this measure is one for the actuaries, but the CP does specifically address the impact of 100% reinsurance and insurance business transfers on TMTPs. So those of us interested in insurance transactions might be interested in this aspect of the CP, which provides some useful guidance in that area. Number two relates to internal models, and there are some very technical aspects to this proposal. Legally now, the PRA would grant permission to a firm to use an internal model rather than approve an internal model as it does under the existing framework. But the important thrust of these proposals is that the PRA sees value in being able to give a permission to use an internal model that is sound, but not wholly compliant with the tests and standards that have to be satisfied today, provided that the PRA can use two new safeguards to plug those gaps. The first of those safeguards is a residual capital add-on tool, which would amp up the firm's solvency capital requirement. And the second is a so-called requirement safeguard, which is a qualitative safeguard rather than affecting the SCR. And this could include a restriction on the firm's business practices. Now, these internal model changes then link into the third reform, the proposed introduction of two new types of capital add-ons to firstly temporarily compensate for internal model deficiencies until full permission is received, or to address internal models with significant risk profile deviation in exceptional circumstances. This is where the PRA is concerned that a firm's internal model is inadequate or that its SCR is no longer appropriately reflecting the firm's risk profile in a way which is better than the standard formula. So these tools give the PRA further flexibility to impose capital uplifts but it's important to note that they do so against a backdrop of increased flexibility to be more permissive than the current regime allows. The fourth category of change relates to group solvency requirements, and this really is very technical. In essence, Solvency 2 contained prescriptive rules about the way in which different calculation methods could be used to generate a group SCR or solvency capital requirement. For firms where the PRA is the group supervisor, the PRA proposals would allow firms to capture subgroups using a mix of calculation approaches on a temporary basis. For example, a subgroup could be recognised within a group SCR using an internal model that applies to that subgroup. This is likely to be of greatest interest to those firms who are headquartered in the UK, but who are looking at doing overseas acquisitions. 
Also in the technical bucket is the fifth category of changes which relate to insurers' reporting requirements. And these are really concerned with that red tape that I mentioned at the start of our discussion, and they are for the connoisseur. But possibly of greatest interest to the Solvency 2 dabbler, I thought it would be worth mentioning another two reforms. First, the changes to the regulation of third country branches, and second, the introduction of a proposed mobilisation regime for new insurers both of which are intended to spur competition by encouraging new entrants into the UK market, either from overseas incumbents in the first case or from brand new players. The changes to the regulation of third country branches will basically see requirements relating to localisation of assets and the calculation of a local SCR and risk margin swept away with the PRA relying principally in its confidence in the regulation which the third country branch receives at home, which it will assess at the point of authorisation of the third country branch. The logic here is that the third country branch can't fail independently of the legal entity of which it forms a part. And then there's the mobilisation regime, which aims to provide a sort of test environment for new insurers to start writing business. Now, this business has to be short tail, it has to be two years or less, and it has to cover less than £50,000 in one go. But firms who are on this mobilisation pathway will have reduced compliance burdens and will have a lower minimum capital requirement, or MCR, of £1 million. After the mobilisation period, 12 months, the firms would either have to join their peers as fully regulated financial institutions or exit the market. Two draft statutory instruments were also published on the 22nd of June. Can you tell us about those? Yes, sure. The Insurance and Reinsurance Undertakings Prudential Requirements Regulation 2023 will modify the current risk margin calculation that's currently set out in the Solvency II regulations. And we also have the insurance and reinsurance undertakings prudential requirements number two regulations, which contains provisions relating to the PRA's duty to publish technical information and the calculation of the risk margin, the application and calculation of the matching adjustment and the calculation of the fundamental spread regulations. So all of these things are very technical in nature, but importantly, What it means is we now have sight of the details of the revised risk margin formula and parameters, so firms can start building their new calculations. And when will the reforms take effect? The current expectation is that these reforms will be divvied up to take effect at three different dates. First up will be at the end of this year, that's Q4 2023, yes, we're in 2023, with the risk margin changes. And then in Q2 2024, we'll have the reforms to the matching adjustment and the September CP reforms. Finally, in Q4 of 2024, the remainder of the proposals will be in place. So what are some of the key steps that firms should be thinking about in light of this June CP that we've had? So the June CP is due to be implemented as part of that tranche of reforms I mentioned just a moment ago on 31 December 2024. And this will give firms time to consider responding to the consultation. For changes to the TMTP to work through the implications of moving to a new default methodology, if firms want to retain their existing 
TMT methodology, they'll need to make an application at least six months prior to the PRA's proposed implementation date of 31 December 2024. And the changes to the internal model, while many of the prescriptive rules will be gone, moving to a new internal model approach may involve significant amount of implementation work to be done, and that shouldn't be underestimated. Firms will need to meet the new analysis of change requirements, so that will need to be considered. And then finally, they'll need to modify their systems and reporting processes where necessary to deal with the changes to the reporting requirements. And of course, watch this space, bearing in mind that we'll be hearing lots more come September when the next CP is due out. Thank you so much, Kate. That was really interesting. And no doubt we'll be back soon with more insurance regulation content. Thanks, Louisa.